0: please keep in mind that past performance is not indicative of future performance. Andrew Page, thanks for taking the time out for joining us on the Australian investors podcast, mate. Great to be here. Thanks for having me back. Yeah. It's uh, like, as people will know, you and I speak often. Um, I guess we share our trials and tribulations of starting a business around the same time. We're also Passionate investors love small caps, love all that sort of stuff. And um, you've been on the show once before. We we're just talking off air. How it seems like an eternity ago that we spoke, and so much has changed with Strawman. So much has changed. I'm sure you've got some lessons learned there as well. So yeah. maybe you can bring us up to speed on what I guess the the inward looking moments you've had with Strawman, some of the the achievements that you've seen over the time, and what you're really excited about on the platform.
1: Yeah, thanks Alan. Um, well, it's it's come a long way. It's, it's been a labor of love for a long, long time and it's essentially just been me. And as you know, I'm not a developer um, or a coder, so I've, I've had to sort of rely on other parties for that. So it's been, it's been a, a lesson in a lot of different things. Um, I guess when the, there's a lot of naive optimism when you start a business, you know, we'll do this, we'll do this and then, you know, step three money, you know, it just, it just, it just happens, but it's, it's, it is what I've learned is that I think one of the most important things more than anything is perseverance. Cause you're just going to make mistakes. You're going to have setbacks, but I think those who can stick at it, um, uh, have got a huge advantage. I
0: think when we first spoke, Andrew, I think from memory, you had about 2000, um, investors and users on your platform. And having chatted with you recently, I know that it has grown substantially, but at the same time, the quality of the audience is still there, it seems. And whenever I say the audience, I mean the the investors that are sharing
1: their research. Yeah. So it's grown It's grown a lot. It's, it's about 12,000 now. I, I guess the thing I'm most proud of is that that's, that's largely been organic. So We've not done any marketing. We've just not really felt as though we're in a position, you know, it's, it's perhaps a, a little bit... Um, too obsessive, but we, we wanted it to be really just right and exactly how we originally en- envisaged it before we started promoting it. So all that growth that has been organic has been great. And, th- and what's particularly pleasing is to see how it's, it's scaled very effectively too. So in the early days, we had this small cohort of super engaged investors and it's like a private little online investing group. And um, all of those people are still there today. But how does that work when you've got you know 10,000 other people sort of on there? And it's it's worked remarkably well, and I think the main reason for that is that we we put a lot of emphasis on accountability. Mm. So there's a lot of transparency there. Uh, anyone is welcome and encouraged to put up their content, um, put up their sample portfolio, tell others what they think is worth buying, and the rest of it. But we track performance, we 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 rank content according to votes. So. That can be a little bit daunting, but it, it means that people put a lot more effort into their, um, their contributions mm. um, and you, you get rid of a lot of the bad actors, I suppose, um, mm. that's out there. So, it's, it's, I think that feature has worked really, really well for us.
0: Mm. And, you know, we've spoken about this before that I think it's testament to the product too, right? Like the service that you bring to people is... Um, you want that higher quality audience because those particularly the early adopters, that's what they, they're there for. They're, they're people that are, I guess in tune with their investing process, they understand how things work. And then ultimately that's what attracts the bigger audience, right? Because they come for those insights. So it's such a, it's the important way to grow a business and we're about to get to some businesses and one in particular that has grown organically, although um, it's been a bit of a wild ride. Um, Just before I let you go, Andrew, we spoke a little while ago, just you and I in a a private WhatsApp group, about some of the key, I guess, principles that have helped you um, steer your investing over time and particularly the last decade. Um, And some of the common threads with things like smaller companies, so we're talking quite small companies by comparison to most investors, um, you know, teetering on the point of break-even or hitting that kind of inflection point, which we talk about maybe you can just as concisely as you can, I know we could rant on for ages about, you could talk about why small cap investing is so appealing to you.
1: Yeah. Um, well, there's a, there's a, there's a bunch of reasons. Um, I think first is it's an area where there's still a lot of advantage to be had for the small private mm-hmm. investor. Um, the fund managers, the analysts, the, the so-called experts um, generally have no choice they can't play in that that field because there isn't the liquidity there. If you're managing millions of dollars, it's just hard to build positions in these it companies. Is, yeah. um, so you, 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 you've got a greater chance of having a bit of a, an edge on, on other people out there in the market, which mm. I think is, is really important. Um, what's also interesting too is because you've got perhaps a less sophisticated investor base um, chasing these stocks is that it's super volatile. And so, yeah. you know, sh- shares can go down a long way. That's a good, and I'm putting that forward as a good thing, you know, a number of times you've seen share prices just do insanely things on, on both the upside and downside because of a bit of news that might ostensibly be a little bit positive or negative, but that the overreaction is vast. So anyone who's actually put in the time to really understand the business and have a bit of a, a, a read on value, that volatility while scary and, and stomach churning just gives you incredible opportunities to, to buy when things are cheap and perhaps lighten the load when things get a little bit silly. Mm. Um, and I think another, another thing that's really nice about it uh, uh, too is that there's a lot more upside with these businesses. You know, they're small. They, they, they can grow at a much, much faster pace, um, which, is, which is really nice. Mm. Um, uh, and, you know, oh, sorry, go on. Uh, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, and, and I, I, well, I, I just think, I think it's got, and there 's a lot of bad um, uh, reputation in that space i mean let 's face it statistically, most small cap companies are rubbish, you know yeah. highly speculative, just little entities that that burn cash and do nothing else but but what what you will find if you spend some time in this space is that there are actually some very 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 high quality businesses within that mm-hmm. and um, you know he he turns over the most rocks wins, and there's for those that are prepared to sort of get their hands dirty and dive into this space and do the work. Uh, And importantly, I think too, make investments with a long-term horizon. If you've got very big aspirations um, for a a company, um, you need to give it time to deliver on on those expectations. And if you can sort of go in with a long-term time time, uh, horizon, you really are talking about some very, very big returns. That's where the 10X returns come from and the so-called spiffy pops and all of this kind of stuff. Um, uh, yes, that is, that is, it is a higher risk area. So that, that will be offset. You don't, you're never going to get all of them right. Peter Lynch is famous for saying six out of 10, um, you're doing really well in this industry, Hmm. but, but because there, there's a real asymmetry there. I mean, you can only sort of lose a hundred percent, but you can make many, many times your initial investment if you get it right. I think those who take a very, um, a basket approach to this space and again, do all the proper due diligence. I think it's a wonderful space.
0: Yeah, you mentioned Multibaggers. You mentioned 10X. Um, we're going to talk about one of these companies in just a moment. But another thing that we... And you mentioned Peter Lynch. And people just think I wear um, hooded sweatshirts for the, for the sake of it, Andrew. But these actually have quotes of great investors on it. And one of the <laughs> hoodies that I have is from Peter Lynch who says, have, uh, owning stocks is like having kids. Don't get involved with more than you can handle. <laughs> and I find with small caps, if you know what you're doing, um, and because it tends to, tend to there tends to be a lag between the realization of value in the market and for the market to catch up with new information. Um, yes, it can be volatile from time to time, but because there isn't that analyst coverage, you get that asymmetry in value because of the information lag. And, um, we've spoken before about, you know, um, you know, that kind of ideal patch being below a hundred mil market cap and, um, you can still get really good businesses in there if you're willing to maybe move a bit further down in terms of profitability. Yep. um, The company that we're going to talk about today is Pointera and this is very, very topical for a lot of people. Um, I know you've owned shares in this company for quite a while and you were pretty early on in this one. Um, Me, personally, we uh, recommended it and because of the trading restrictions that we self-impose, I didn't have time to, to build a position and then there was an announcement and then it rose about... 10x in about a month and i had to keep covering it so i couldn't build a position again so um maybe i'll for those who don't know this company started off very small just about six months ago and it's kind of shot to fame literally and people are wondering kind of what next but before we get to that what next piece andrew maybe you can just give us the overview of the company you know the market that it plays in etc
1: Sure, sure. Oh, there's so much to say about Pointerra. There's so many. There's so many good lessons, and there's a bit of craziness there. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. Um, but we'll get to that. So, Pointerra. Uh, look, this this was um, this is a little tiny little private company, a handful of people that have been uh, uh, developing this for a long time. People who sort of come um, from the geospatial uh, industry. Mm. Reverse listed onto the market in 2016. Tiny, tiny little, you know, five ten million dollar market cap kind of mm. company. But their value prop is is that they 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 say that we solve 3d data and what that means is that what what uh, what happens a lot today in fact is a very fast growing industry and one that's one that's getting bigger all the time it's a five hundred billion dollar industry globally the the geospatial market so you have a lot of um, uh, asset operators um, who who will put these LIDAR kind of devices out there, these laser scanners. And what they do is they shoot a million points of light in a million directions and each point is captured in what's called a 3D point cloud. So it allows you to render these, these 3D environments in, in huge amount of fidelity. And it's really ha- handy because you can you can remote monitor, you can overlay analytics on top of that kind of stuff. It's wonderful for architecture, for all for a whole host of things. Even in movie making these mm. days, you know, you can use these 3D data sets to create CGI landscapes and images. So it's a very broad sort of mm. thing. The trouble with these data sets is that they are massier. These are terabytes, terabytes, terabytes. So. To manage all of that historically was very, very, very difficult. So what Pointera do is they have a cloud-based SaaS platform that will manage all of that data, that will do a whole bunch of analytics on top of that. They've even got a marketplace where others can sort of share and monetize their own 3D data sets. Mm -hmm. And it's it's one of the things I really look for and the best returns I've ever had as an investor have been investing in, in what I would call structural shifts where there's, there's an industry um, that's, that's going through a pretty major change in how it does business. A good example that people might be familiar with would be what we've seen with accounting software, moving mm-hmm. from desktop to the cloud with zero and, and the like. That is a structural change in which everyone in the industry changes what they're doing or how they're doing it. And those changes can happen relatively quickly and bring phenomenal returns to, to, to investors. And I think that was what attracted me to Point Terra. I mean, here is something that is just so demonstrably better than the traditional way of doing this kind of thing. And although a very small company, it's a very niche kind of market, but, but, but one in which they are a genuine world leader with a genuinely revolutionary product. Mm. And there's a nice first mover advantage um, in, in all of that. And, and it's all good, great story. But when you can combine that with some very attractive sales momentum, and some big name clients, you you tend to sort of see a start of a, a, a bit of sales momentum that can that can really grow rapidly off a small base, but in percentage terms, really, really rapidly for many, many, many years. And when you get a company like that, you don't want to be too fussy on valuation because because the the upside is is quite immense.
0: Um, so I've seen the company present a few times. Um, I spoke to Ian, um, CEO, um, as part of our rockets program. And, um, you know, one of the things that was quite amazing to me is, you know, we look for founder led companies because they tend to think like you do with your company, right? Let's, let's build a product that people want. We can always scale, you know, sales and all that later on. And when I was talking to him, um, he could count with both of his hands how many employees he had and where they were at that given moment. And when you think about that as an, an ASX-listed business, I mean, we have about at the, now about the same amount of employees at Rask as he had at the time um, as a very small company, that, we, but it was ASX-listed. And um, I guess that gives you a sense of, how, one, how big the business is, but also how tight-knit and insider this is. And for those people who aren't aware, so basically what we're talking about is surveyors or people that go and measure or not photograph, but something very similar to that. They take an image of something, let's say it's a power pole. Then that image gets brought back to head office. It might be a, you know, a power grid company or something like that. And let's imagine that a tree goes down where that power power line and power pole was next week. Instead of setting someone out immediately, they can monitor it remotely and they can say, the, the power pole was this high it was that far from the trees we need to get someone out there to fix this and this is how much cable we need and all these types of things that you can do remotely the problem with it is that these data sets as you say were enormous so the computers and um, in-house servers you would need to run this type of data set is enormous and very expensive and what point terror have done is effectively said we're open architecture just pretty much drag and drop your enormous files and then do all the analysis on our platform yeah and then what we're seeing now is now that that base level of technology has been built is all the optionality that's going to come with this business, and I, I think what people tend to miss with Pointera is that it's it's profitable. Um, you know, it's 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 kind of teetering on that point of break even, an annualized contract value basis. It's actually profitable, but it's managing that scale well. Um, let's talk about the big catalyst, Andrew. You know, this company was sitting. I think Claude Walker called me up the long ago. And he said, you know, it's a sleeper. It's a sleeper. Um, but it's there and it, the point was that it's been sitting there for a while in that three to five cents per share range Then, out of nowhere, something changed. Can you kind of explain to us maybe what that was and maybe why or why not? It's not such a game changer for the business necessarily.
1: No, I can't explain it, but I, I can... <laughs> I, I can I can give a play-by-play play here. So you're right. For the longest time, Pointero is sort of around five cents and below. In fact, I was building a position around those levels um, for all the reasons that we sort of chatted about and thinking that there was a lot of upside. I often look for asymmetry where there's more upside than downside. You know, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a nice sort of um, bet to have. But the first thing that happened is this guy called Bevan Slattery made a, I think it was $2.5 million strategic yep. buy-in of the company and bought some shares. And that sent shares from like $0.04 cents to $0.15 cents in a couple of days. And then why? Well, Bevan Slattery is the guy behind um, uh, Megaport and Next DC. a whole bunch of Next NextDC, yeah. very successful technology entrepreneur. So that brought a lot of credibility to it. It's like, well, if Bevan's interested, you know, maybe, maybe there's some, there's something here. And that's understandable. It makes, makes sense. Does it mean that the company is now worth five times more than it was? Um, Or currently, uh, 48 cents, (laughs) 12 times more than than it was. I don't know. I don't know about that. But it certainly got on the radar. Um, the other thing that sort of happened not long after that was when they did report that they were sort of on a cash flow basis. I think they had the fourth quarter was cash flow positive and on uh, relative to the to the contracted revenue they have for the next 12 months, all of those costs are covered. So a lot of a lot of investors rightly worry about these small cap loss making companies. Um, because if if there's not enough cash there to pay the bills. There's only one other alternative or two other alternatives. You can borrow a bunch of money from, from a bank or a lender, or you can raise capital from shareholders. And that's what often happens. And that can have some very big dilutive effects. So when you pass that milestone, people think, wow, okay, this is, this is now self-sustaining. This can, this can continue mm. to grow without hopefully me having to keep opening up my wallet and tip more and more money. in. so I think they're the big things that have happened. Um, and, and I, I definitely thought shares were were undervalued, but they've gotten to a point now where it's very hard. It's very hard to argue for the case for value. And I think this is such a a, a valid point. People have to distinguish between a great company and a great investment. It is entirely possible to do really badly as an investor if you pay too much. And Mm -hmm. it makes sense logically if you think about it. Um, Let's look at Rask, you know. If you gave me the opportunity to buy your business for a dollar, I would be crazy not to. I'm, I'm going to make my money back very quickly. If if you wanted to sell it to me for a trillion dollars, no offense, but I'm going <laughs> to yes, take a, a long time for me to get my money back. So logically, logically, there is a point between a dollar and a trillion where I'm going to make, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to have uh, some good returns
0: obviously valuation is a the the key consideration here um it's always tough though andrew when you have businesses let's say let's look at some of Pointier's recent announcements they've said that the annualized contract value um in this is what they said in july was was up 33 percent to 2.87 million right so they added about seven hundred thousand dollars in the quarter then you fast forward um and they say in August that the combined one month impact on annualized contract value has already exceeded the company's entire prior quarter. Mm -hmm. So um, then, you know, ACV was up at $4 million. And then, so you think, okay, this company is getting quicker and quicker as it goes on. It's always a tough one, isn't it? To to, to decide what to do with shares. Um, I guess that's um, the old show me your portfolio kind of thing. What, how have you taken this and the recent, I guess, um, crazy share price movement.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, look, I think, I think the way I tend to approach these kind of valuation things is that it's not that I'm coming up with a definitive value. This is what it's worth. No, no one can know for sure. Mm. Um, but you certainly try to come up with a best guess. But I think what's also extremely valuable, um, I often say, well, let's assume the market is right. Let's assume that this thing's worth 50 cents a share. What would I like to see? Or what would this business need to achieve for that to be a reasonable price and you can, you can sort of approach it backwards. And, and when you get something with Pointeras, you're right that the sales momentum is is great. Um, it's off a very small base. You know, if you, if mm. you made a uh, hundred dollars last quarter, you, you can easily quintuple that, <laughs> you know, you can't do that when you've got a hundred million dollars worth of sales. So that's, so you, you, you can, you can factor in some very strong rates of growth there. Um, uh, absolutely. You can. Um, the, the other thing, um, that you want to do is then sort of say, well, revenue is one thing, you know, um, sales of vanity profit is sanity as, as they say, <laughs> and, and you need to be able to ensure that this company can scale well, that there's actually free cash flow there at the end of the day, that's going to come back to my pocket or as an, at least to the business and, and, and me to enjoy that as, as an owner of that business. Um, and, and when you get to something like Pointero, don't get me wrong. I'm as positive on this company as, as I ever was. It's, it's, it's executing as exactly as I would like it to see so far, but their, their current price, so that 4 million that you quoted, that's us dollars. So let's call that 6 million Australian dollars to be generous, Mm -hmm. you know, relative to the current market cap, this company is, is on more than 50 times that amount. So, There has to be, so everyone's saying, oh, it's a great company and sales are going to go really well. It's like, well, yeah, but that's factored in, you know, they they need to go really well. And then some, perhaps more than people are expecting for me to do well at this point in time. And so I like to go out three and five years and and be super optimistic. Yeah, I think their sales at that point in time will be X dollars and they'll have a net margin of 20% and all of these really, you know, best case kind of scenario things. And so even at that point, the market's going to be super thrilled with this, optimism is going to be high, sentiment is going to be high, and, and the market's going to be prepared to pay a, a PE of 50 or, you know, at that point in time. You can do all these what ifs. Mm. And what is hard is that you get, you get to prices down the track, which, which are actually below the current price for me, um, which makes it just very, very, very difficult. So I think back to small caps, you don't want to be, as I said before, you don't want to be too fussy. On these things, companies that have very, especially software companies, that have a lot of operational leverage, very rapid um, top line growth, big addressable markets, all of this kind of stuff. Th- that is that is fantastic, but but it, it needs to it you need to um, expose your. You, you, you need to have a general sense of value, not so much that you 're going to sell the second it gets ten percent above that you 're never going to do well if that 's the case Or you 're going to you 're mm. going to like pile in because it 's three percent below your valuation so you don 't want to be too fussy about it, but you must have an eye on value and and just remember that timing is completely unnecessary with this stuff I certainly didn 't get the bottom with point terror i was I was down 40 percent for many months there at a time, and then I started selling on the way up and i sold i 've still got about of my original stake, but I sold some at 14. I sold some at 20. I'll say some at 25. And obviously that hurts in retrospect, but it's not a case of trying to sort of perfectly time things in the market. It's just that Ben Graham Buffett kind of stuff. Is this ostensibly cheap, or is this a bit silly? Not being too fussy on that, but making your decisions around that point. And for me, it's just gotten to a point now with, as I say, 50 times annual recurring revenue, that, that it's 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 just very difficult and a good question to ask yourself is regardless of what I happen to buy it at would I buy this company today at this price at the same weighting that it's currently in my portfolio and you know when you have something that goes up 12 times it obviously goes from for me it was a five percent sort of position to you know, a third of your portfolio that's not good portfolio management so all of that kind of ways weighs, weighs into it
0: Mm. you mentioned that you still hold some though so i wonder is it a bit of a process of regret minimization there um i don't know or is it is it for you just a matter of slowly exiting the position
1: it's about trying not to be too fussy as i said before so thank god i wasn't because i I could have sold a lot at 10 cents and felt like a genius at the time Mm. um so I, I, again, there's that. There's also some tax considerations, um, which really I, I would argue you don't, you don't base your investment decisions around that kind of stuff. But
0: mm.
1: the best problem in the world, Owen, is a tax problem, let me yeah. tell you, yeah. um, as an investor. So it's great if you've got a lot of tax to pay, because it means you've done very well. But there, there are some considerations around that um, as well. Mm. But, but yeah, it was, it was, it, it's always looked at for me as through the lens of opportunity cost. Um, I've got this capital here today, is, it, is this the best pony for it to be riding on at this point or is there a better opportunity risk adjusted? Mm-hmm. And for me, that that was a big part of the decision.
0: Yeah, fair enough. And you, you're constantly scouring for these types of opportunities, right? So um, it's, it's such an interesting one and it's a, such a hard question for people to answer, um, particularly newer investors and those that are new to small caps in particular because um, it can be hard to decipher for newer people what's volatility, what's genuine um, and you really just need to throw a number out there for valuation and, and use that as kind of a, a yardstick for you. Andrew, this is an interesting business. And um, it's one that I know from just looking on um, that it's, it's come up the ranks in straw man too. So um, I'm sure there's plenty more information there for people to go find out about it. Um, and we, we also at Rask are also covering on our media site, but um, like I said, it's not a business I own now, which I'm so, um, I'm just kicking myself about that, but
1: um, can I just I know, quickly? I'll quickly yeah. interject on you there. It sure. happens. I, I, I I'm the first to admit I can't time markets. I don't even try to. You know, mm-hmm. so I have no idea what the share price is going to do. But I would not be surprised if it comes down at some point. And 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 you, you sort of say, oh, you're always sort of scaring for new opportunities. Well, yes, I am. But I've actually, as you know, I'm so boring. I there's my little pet stable of stocks that I've just followed for years and years and years and years. Mm-hmm. I think a really good analogy here is with EnviroSuite, which is another company I've done extremely well on and done really well for Strawman. but same kind of thing under the radar kind of business. No one really paid attention to it. And then it just, it was discovered by the market went from something like eight cents to 35 cents at one stage. And then it came all the way back down to seven cents earlier this year. And now it's back up above 20 cents. The business hasn't changed that much as, as the share price would indicate. Mm. Um, and yet there's a lot of people at 20 since saying, Oh, I've missed out. I've missed out. Well, be patient. You might just get another chance. The trouble is, is that when that chance comes, you, you'll doubt yourself. It's like, Oh, now it's going down. What do I, what do I know? What don't, what don't I know? So, but that's, that's the time when, when if you've done your work and you know that the business is, is there's no real change on it. I've, I've, I've now got the chance to buy the same shares at a fraction of the price that they were. Are you going home? Regardless of whether you're going to hit the, the, the bottom or not, you're almost certainly not. But um, keep it on your watch list. Who knows? Yeah,
0: Who um, like it? mate, it is. I think it's one of the... To be honest, I think it's one of the highest quality, what I would still call a micro cap. I think it's the, the micro caps a bit inflated at the moment. So I'd say it's one of the higher highest quality uh, micro caps on the market. So I'll be watching it very closely. Mate, um, I know you're coming back for another episode uh, where we've got another company to talk about, but always a pleasure to talk to you. There'll be links in the show notes to Straw Man. For those of you who don't already have an account, get on there. It's free to join. Um, we've also got an announcement to share with the, the listener base uh, next fortnight when the next episode airs. So, Stay tuned for that. Andrew Page from Strawman. Thanks for joining me, mate.
1: Thanks, Alan. Always a pleasure, mate.